interesting stories in the early chapters of Genesis is the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. Lots of times we have um, difficulty understanding what's going on there and lots of that is because we're not aware of certain elements in the ancient world. Uh, as always, when we're reading the Bible, we have to be aware that it's not written to us, even though it is written for us. And so when we want to understand a passage, we sometimes have to go into the ancient world to try to understand how they're thinking about things. Now in the Tower of Babel account, there's one thing that is particularly difficult for us to understand, and that is, why is it that they're building this tower? Lots of times people think that they're building a tower in order for people to go up whether that's to meet with God or to overthrow God or to somehow challenge God is not altogether clear. But they think that they're building that tower to go up. I think the text points us in a different direction, literally a different direction. Because uh, in the southern Mesopotamian setting that we have in Genesis chapter 11, the land of Shinar, uh, in the kind of context it gives us, a city featuring this remarkable tower, we come to understand that the tower is what was called in the ancient world a ziggurat. Now a ziggurat is a very well-known piece of architecture. It was built next to the temple and it was part of sacred space. A sacred space, people really wouldn't spend a lot of time there. They wouldn't be able to go near it. They wouldn't want to go near it. It was a dangerous place and that tower was not made for people at all. That tower was made for God to come down. And of course we can see that when we get to the middle of the story of the Tower of Babel, that's exactly what God does. He comes down. This was made as sort of uh, an executive elevator uh, where God comes down, goes into the temple which is next door, and there he receives worship. Now that helps us to understand a little bit about what the builders are doing because that means that the builders are trying to establish sacred space, a place where God is to be worshipped. Now we might say, what's the matter with that? That sounds like a perfectly legitimate undertaking. Well, here's the problem. Sacred space is supposed to be a place where God's name is exalted. Uh, in Deuteronomy, we hear repeatedly about the fact that God has chosen a place for his name to be put. And that place, which eventually is the temple in Jerusalem, is a place where God's name is exalted. But in Genesis 11, we read some other alternative motive here. And that is that the people want to exalt their own name. They want to make their name great. What's going on here? Well, in the ancient world, they believed that gods had made people to be slave labor. In the ancient world, they believed that the gods had needs. They needed food, they needed drink, they needed housing, they needed clothing. And these needs were met by people through the rituals and the sacred spaces that they uh, were involved in. And so in that way, the idea was that the people would meet the needs of the gods. At the same time, they believed that since the gods had these needs, they would be grateful that their needs were being met, and as a result, they would also meet the needs of the people. They would protect them, they would provide for them. And in that way, we have this symbiosis, uh, codependency 
between gods and people. So when the people talk about building a tower in a city to make a name for themselves, they're trying to establish sacred space not because they want to exalt God's name, but because they think that that will be a means to an end, an end that will bring about their own prosperity and protection. They're doing it for themselves, not for God. Now that fits into the ancient world context, but please notice also how it fits into the biblical context. Remember in chapter 3, when people were driven out of the garden, they lost access to God. They lost sacred space. And we find here that in Genesis 11, they're trying to regain sacred space. They're trying to regain access to God. And in that way, uh, they are doing something that sounds like it's a good thing, but they're doing it for their own advantage and their own sake. It's their initiative, but for the wrong motives. And therefore, God rejects their initiative. He comes down, as the tower was intended to, to allow. But instead, he sees what's going on, and he says, nothing's going to be prohibited now. At this point, they're, they're going to go full ahead into this idea of having their own needs met by meeting the needs of the gods. This is all wrong. And therefore, God does not accept that initiative. He rejects that initiative. And instead, interestingly enough, in the very next chapter, chapter 12 of Genesis, he begins his own initiative. His own initiative is to establish sacred space in and among and through his chosen people. And so he uses the covenant as a means to begin revealing himself to Abraham and his family, eventually to adopt Israel as his covenant people, and to set up his presence in their midst, sacred space reestablished. At the end of the book of Exodus, chapter 40, they finish the tabernacle, and God comes and dwells among them, first time since Eden, and sacred space is reestablished among the Israelites. And that transitions to the temple at the time of Solomon, and God makes his dwelling with people. And that's what God always wanted. Remember in the upper room when Jesus talks to his disciples and says, I'm going away, but don't worry. I'm, I'm going to come back and take you to myself so that where I am, you might also be. Because that's what God always wanted. And so we find that God's presence was not only in the tabernacle and the temple, God's presence was represented in Jesus in the incarnation. God's presence became available to believers as Pentecost, the Spirit descended, and they became temples, sacred space. And God's presence is finally going to come to the desired conclusion in new creation when there is no temple and God himself is in our midst. In that sense, the Tower of Babel gives us a key juncture for the whole question of God's presence and how it's going to be unfolded across his plan, across history. And the Tower of Babel represents that first initiative that people took and how that was wrong-headed and wrong motives and then leads us into how God does that himself. And that gives us a picture of the theology across the canon that's a very powerful picture of what God has always wanted.